I must say that this setup is a lot more comfortable than what we were using before. God, isn't it? Do you remember when we were using video mics on little tripods with boom arms, but we were like facing each other on the couch and we had to hold our neck sideways for the entire hour. And the big pop screen was like right in front of our face. Exactly. (laughs) This is way better. Welcome back to the podcast. (laughs) Hold on. Let me try that again. (laughs) (laughs) Take two. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Welcome back to Tuxedo Time, where we're tuxedos, and it is time. Podcast edition, uh, home improvement edition? Kind of. Kind of, sort of, maybe. I wanted to make an episode for those of you out there who are are renting, who like the idea of having a beautiful space or an aesthetic as fuck space, I guess we'll say. Nice aesthetic. Yeah, he hates it. Okay, let's back up here for a second, though. Okay. And people who have listened to this podcast before will know that we covered a whole... Uh, cornucopia of different topics. <laughs> cornucopia is such a good ex- Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think like home design yes. is a big passion of yours. It's my favorite thing. Would you say that it is the... Fa- the most favorite thing? The most favorite. Would you say that it is the helicopter to Chris as home design is to Becky? Is that... Yes. Is that a good analogy? 100%. Like 120 million percent. So anybody that watches our YouTube channel will probably know that we do sprinkle in a lot of home design content, but we also pitch it or package it in a way that people can apply it to YouTube because a lot of people who watch the channel are also content creators in the YouTube realm. Yeah. And so a lot of like home and space design is very applicable to, um, to YouTube. Yeah. And I think that maybe some people might not think of it that way, you know, what's wrong? Oh, you're cut, t- t- leaning away from the, the mic to burp. Chocolate rain. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that the correlation might not be as obvious to, to people. Like you you see nice looking studio backgrounds, but it's also nice to have a nice house. And I think the same concepts can apply to your background and to your house. And if you're going to spend time making your background nice for YouTube, why not spend time making your house that you live in nice for yourself and your own eyeballs? Yeah, I, mean, I agree with that. Yeah. But the, also the thing that, and I don't have any numbers or statistics to back this up, but I would venture to say that the vast majority of people interested in home design are probably female. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't really know. I don't have numbers to back that up either. I feel like. I feel like it's a very feminine. Well, so, so I'm basing that solely on people creating content and the gender breakdown. Yeah in that niche it seems like a lot of people who are doing home decor like outside of like architectural stuff when people are doing like home decor and diy a lot of it is female based right and And that's what i think i'm basing it off of. yeah and i I, and from my experiences and what i've seen on the internet i feel like the male stuff is more construction based and the female stuff is more decorating based right and so with the for whatever reason we're also sort of kind of planted in the photo video sphere Mm -hmm. and a lot of that comes with that with like studio design and stuff yeah so our what what, you probably are more familiar with our demographics it's probably mostly male it is like 80 20 yeah it's like plus 80 i think it used to be like 90 10 Mm -hmm. but now it's 80 20 yep male to female yeah but we've done a lot some of our best videos have been studio design yeah which is kind of falls under the umbrella of home design yeah there there's like a big crossover there because it Aside from furniture placement, the concepts of design apply. Like you're picking nice looking stuff, accessories, furniture, shelf styling. It's all stuff that um, 
that works for the house and it works for your office or your background for YouTube as well. Um, but you're right. Our, our best performing videos to date have been all home decor videos. And mostly our, our best performing video so far has been the office makeover, turn your bedroom into an office video, which kind of, you know. Or was it a YouTube studio? Turn your bedroom into a studio? Turn your bedroom into a YouTube we don't even remember what I it don't is. remember what it's called. <laughs> Essentially the video is is basically me uh taking our my our spare bedroom in our apartment and turning it into my office, but it was a multi multi-functional space because it was the room that we filmed all of our YouTube videos in, so it had like a couch scene. But it was also my office where my desk was where I did all my editing. But it also tripled as a guest room. So the couch that we filmed on pulled out to be a guest bed. Right. And then the closet was all outfitted with like all of our ray towers and our computer and st camera storage. So the video was kind of like the uh, journey to basically reorganizing and redoing that whole room and then doing the tour. And that so far has been our best best video uh, performance wise and probably one of my favorite videos that we've made. Like the process of making the video was probably the most fun so mm -hmm. far. I really like doing room makeovers. Um, I like shooting them. It's definitely where my passion lies the most. I, if you told me like pick between doing photo and video tutorials and home decor content, I would pick home decor content well, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think that it's fun actually to talk about it in a home studio or studio or office design way, because it kind of mixes the two niches of taking love for home decor and love for photo video and kind of putting it together. And how can you take you know, each thing. And well, I think that a lot of people who watch our content, it's <laughs> a fantastic noise. I need to put it on the, on the buttons. One of, so that's one of the, the points that I think needs to be made is that a lot of people really like to look at design of studios. Yes. Office makeovers, but office have, tours. would say they have little to no interest in home design, but look at it now and realize it's one and the same. It is. It's like looking at an office, a studio space, like, Ooh, that looks great. But look at your home and be like, Oh, why not just apply the same concepts to your home? Be like, Ooh, that looks great. Yeah. I, what's stopping you from doing it to I your like home? I like occupying the space. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's probably a thing that we're trying to like make a lot of our largely male dominated audience who probably doesn't care a lot about home design or don't think they care about home design, but who care about home design or care about studio designs, all right, and care about like, or like EDC. Yeah. Making things look like a certain, have a certain look to them mm -hmm. and designing a satisfying flat light arrangement mm -hmm. for an Instagram photo is no different than designing an aesthetically pleasing shelf array of items. Yeah. They're, they're items. Yeah. You know? I think that home decor doesn't have to be pink and floral and feminine. It can be whatever you want it to be. And I think that's the difficult thing because oftentimes we associate with decorating and home decor with overly feminine finishes right? Um, and, and pinks and colorful stuff. Where Pastel color palettes, yeah, lots of pinks. Floral patterns. Um, and, it, and it doesn't have to be that. And I think what we're trying to do is kind of like show people that like, hey, you can care about your space and put your own touches on your space and it doesn't have to be what you know, floral or pink or what's at the home stores. There are other places that you can look and there are other resources that you can find to make your space feel like you. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's one of the reasons why it's like the chicken or the egg, chicken or the egg thing. It's not that dudes don't 
like home design from a, you know, from a hardwired evolutionary perspective, it's more so maybe they just don't see things that they really engage with, with resonates. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they just don't see, see stuff that re- resonates with them Yeah, because they don't like seeing a lot of the content that exists out there is very, uh, traditionally feminine. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that style. It's, it's not our style, but we appreciate that style. Mm-hmm. Um, not no shade to people who are into feminine design. And also like, this isn't just for dudes either. It's also for any, anyone who likes, who, who might be interested in home decor, but hasn't seen or uh, something that they feel is them or, um, just to give people like something to think about when it does come time to picking out stuff. So would you say that your design style then is masculine? I thought my design style was masculine, but I, I don't think it is. I think it's just kind of like neutral modern. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Cause I think I said it was masculine and you said, well, I don't really think it is. Well, I don't know. I, I, I again, somebody who doesn't have to share the same passion for design and therefore don't real, I don't research this stuff to the degree that you do, Mm -hmm. but my gut feel is that we're assuming that it's masculine because it's just the absence of femininity. Yes. Like does, maybe it's a bit Andro kind of like myself. Right. Yeah. Just, just because it's, it doesn't, because it's not feminine. Does that automatically make it masculine? Right. And I don't know what makes masculine design. Well, exactly. And I think when I think of masculine design and this is, probably not even the case but when I when I think of masculine design and even on Pinterest when you see like masculine whatever and you click on it it's almost like traditional shapes put in like a dark brown leather or a saddle brown leather or a navy wall or a dark wall Mm -hmm. it's like you know a tufted couch or it's um you have like a lot of trim on the walls but everything is painted out dark it seems like the masculine spaces are always this like dark leather dark colors and the more feminine stuff are like the florals and the, you know, the millennial pink, if you will. Um, I don't even know what that is. I didn't know that it's was like a light, pink. dusty, dusty kind of pink. Um, like a carnation rose. Yeah. It's kind of like that actually. <laughs> but th- those are the things that kind of pop up on Pinterest. So I mm-hmm. kind of associate, you know, but I mean, our style is very modern. And I think with, with modern design, aside from mid-century modern design comes like neutrals and the absent of a lot of detail there's a lot of texture but not a lot of like trim scapes and you know um details on couches and chairs and furniture and stuff everything is pretty like straight and simple either way whatever it is it's what we've decided that we like yeah and i'm grateful that we have very similar taste (laughs) in it yeah and maybe my absence of taste made way for you to be able to sort of have creative freedom in that department. And then I like what you do. And therefore, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. Did I like it first and then you made it or did I make it because did I like it because you made it? I don't know. Yeah. I've never really been into like really girly shit anyway. And even growing up, my mom was always like, do you have to wear black all the time? Like, why don't you wear some color? (laughs) And for a while I thought, you know, that because I'm a woman that I should be dressing a certain way. And then I just got to the point where I was just like, shag this, I'm going to dress however I want. And I'd rather, I'm happier when my closet is all monochrome. Like I feel better in lack of color. Didn't one of your bosses at one of your job tell you to wear a dress one time? Yeah. She was like, why don't you wear dresses? Why are you always wearing like skate shoes? And hoodies. Yeah. (laughs) But fashion, like it, it goes back to like your taste, right? So like in fashion, what are you comfortable in? What makes you feel really good? If that's, if you're a woman and you want to wear a pantsuit, like wear it. It's the same with the house. Like, 
you shouldn't base the design of the, your, your interior off of what something else, somebody else did. You should do what you want to do and what you like. And I think that's the hard thing when people don't really aren't really experienced in design. And I'm not professionally trained in this. It's just over the last like 10, 15 years of being obsessed with it and trying to learn about it. How, how do you figure out what your design style is? And then is it your design style or are you just copying somebody else because you kind of liked what they did, but then suddenly you do it and then it's like, oh wait, I don't, I actually don't like this at all, you know? Yeah, half the battle in most things in life is realizing, figuring out what you want. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes a difficult question to answer. Yes. And just because you said you, you said you're not formally trained in it, but I don't think that, I, I am a firm believer that people need to have training in things usually to be, um, good at them. Yeah. And to, but mostly when you're going to offer advice or guidance to other people, that's when you have to be very careful, but you don't, doesn't require, you don't have to go to design school to know what you like as a person. Exactly. And you know, some, I've seen a couple of comments. Some people are like, oh, I can't believe you have such a lack of color in your house. Like how do you live in such a monochrome space? And it goes back to what you like and what you want. I don't know, man, you're like, sitting on a velvet blue couch right now. Navy is like a neutral. That's color, man. Yeah, I know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it goes with neutral stuff, you know, like I don't, I actually get really uncomfortable ha having color in the house. And every time I bought anything colorful, like a pillow or, or, or anything, I, I, it's never sat with me. I'm like, why don't I like this? Like, it's just <laughs> something. And when everything is monochrome, I'm happy. So I've just kind of realized like, you know what? I don't like this and, but I appreciate it in other people's houses. Like if you like color, fill your boots. If you don't like my lack of color, close your mouth and don't <laughs> tell me. Close your mouth. Yeah. But you know, it, it's, it's personal preference. And I, I think that's, what's challenging. Again, it's like you ask people for opinions on what you should put on your space, but it's like, what do you really like? Yeah. Like I can tell you that this thing looks nice that I like it, but if you don't like it, don't put it in your house. Yes, exactly. Right. And that's interesting because a lot of people who ask questions, sometimes people ask questions that they don't really want to know the answer to. Yes. Or they ask questions to somebody where the answer is completely not applicable. Yeah. I uh, listened to this podcast um, and they brought up a really interesting point. Which podcast? Um, it's called Dear Alice. It's a podcast about interior design. Mm -hmm. And they talk about, you know, when you're picking stuff for your house, like you pick stuff you like, but they said, um, don't ask strangers for their opinion on what you're putting in your house because they're going to pick what they like and they're not going to pick something based on, they're not going to pick something that you like based on knowing you and your personality and what you like. They're mm -hmm. just going to give you their opinion. So if you like say a shag rug and this person hates shag rugs, they're going to say, don't put the shag rug because I hate it. Right. But you like the shag rug, but now you're taking this person's opinion because you asked them and now you, now do you like the shag rug? Do you not like the shag rug? Is it because this person said that they don't like it? So I agree with that to a point. Yeah. And I will say that 100% follow what you want. Yeah. And if you like something that put it in by all means, but here's the flip side of that argument is that there's many people in the world who don't know what they like yeah, and don't see a difference between things. Mm -hmm. And it could be the shag rug. It could be the, the non shag rug, whatever the opposite shag rug. It could be anything. And they say, Oh, I like that equal to this. But what is the consensus on what's better looking. Right. And a lot of people who, and that's the reason why a lot of these industries exist because if everybody knew what they wanted in interior design and knew what they wanted in that's life. That's so true. Yeah. I never thought about that perspective. Industries wouldn't exist. If yeah. everybody knew what they liked out of, um, you know, 
if everyone like knew what they, they liked out of like a music service, there would be no job for, there'd be no yeah. disc jockey job because everyone would just choose what they like. Disc jockey. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's no, but yeah, I guess you're totally right because then there would be no interior designer job either because I mean, I've had so many people say like, I wish I was creative. I don't, I wish I could do stuff to my house. I just don't know where to start or I don't know what to do. And that's where the role of hiring yeah. an interior designer comes in. And a lot of jobs come from the fact that people don't know what they want. Right. I yeah. think it's like does it graphic design. God, you're just blowing Everything. my mind. Anyway. This so, this went off on a completely different. Went off on a rail. Anyway. Yeah. So all in all, I guess it's kind of the preface to this discussion. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of content in this house recently, which we own and we're able to knock down walls. We're able to put walls up. We're able to do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Painting is, is, the, <laughs> is a minimum thing. Yeah. So, but a lot of people have reached out over social media and asked, you know, like, what if I'm living in an apartment? Yeah. Like, what if I can't do, I can't even paint, let alone knock down a wall. Yeah. That's like something I've seen a lot. Like if we post a photo, they're like, I can't wait to have a house because I can do this, because I can do this, but I'm renting. So yeah, I kind of wanted to kind of have a discussion. Um, not these aren't rules to follow or anything, because again, I'm not formally trained. This is just all experience, experiential things that I've learned over the years. But like, what are things that you can do to your to your rental that makes the space nice and livable or looks really good or, or makes you feel cozy and at home that don't necessarily require paint or big renovation projects. They're kind of all kind of cosmetic, easy things to do. And just for context, we've lived together in four different living situations. We've Correct. lived in two houses Yes. and we've lived in two apartments. Yeah. yeah. So it's actually 50% of our places have been rental properties. Yeah. And we've been lucky enough in both rental properties to get permission to paint the walls. Right. Which if you are living in an apartment or a rental property, definitely ask before you start painting because uh, you want to get your security deposit back. <laughs> yes, so exactly. make sure if you want to paint, you get the permission to do it. If you're renting an apartment that is already finished, I probably wouldn't just because that's somebody's house that they probably, you know, made to be a furnished rental. Oh, like if you're moving to like a fully furnished place. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Then, you know, respect. You can add things like your own pillows or maybe roll up their rugs and bring out your own or. But I feel like those places are mostly geared towards like short term rentals. rentals. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of talking about more so like longer term stuff. You're moving into an apartment that's not furnished. You're bringing your own stuff. What can you do to make that place yours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would just say, I don't know. <laughs> I think you do know. I just, I don't think that you could just say off the top of your head because without, you know, a little combo. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, first of all, furniture yes. is a big component here. 100%. Like when you strip down a, a, a room and you take it, remove all the furniture, really you're left with mostly, okay, first of all, the ceilings are going to be basically flat white. So that's going to be your sort of standard. Yeah. You're really just left with the wall colors and the floor and the flooring. Yeah. And whatever trim. Yeah. Which is really just like two things, I guess. Yeah. And most places nowadays are probably painted fairly neutral. Yes. It's going to be an off white. Well, I don't know, man. Or cream. I looked at a lot of places with your mother that were not painted neutral. Really? Okay. Yep. All right. But hopefully you're lucky into one. Although so, that apartment that we moved in, well, the apartment we moved in in Buffalo for the first year and a bit we were here. God, it had turquoise island. had a turquoise island. You know how I feel about color. I know you feel about Despite color. having it in my hair most of the time. Yes. Okay, so we, let, let's start with that then. I like that. So everything is stripped out. You're looking at an unfurnished apartment. You got your ceiling, your floor, and your walls. And this is the problem that I have. 
What is it? Is that I can't visualize things. <laughs> like you're, you, in, out of the people in this relationship, there's only one of us who can visualize yeah. things spatially. Yeah. And it's not me. I am really bad at a lot of things, but I'm very thankful that I can look at an empty space and picture it finished. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, but I can't do math or science or oh, talk or English or anything really. So <laughs> can't do my own makeup. Can't do a lot of stuff. Um, okay, so we're kind of hoping that we're working with a neutral wall color. We're kind of hoping, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but maybe you like the color of the wall. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe you it's like color it. and you like it. Yeah, or maybe you get permission and you can paint it. Uh, paint is the most inexpensive way to make big change in a space. Yes. Big change. A lot of bang for your buck. A lot of bang for your buck. If you can paint, uh, we love a flat paint color. Um, not all paints are made equal. High quality paint is worth, to me, is worth the extra money because you're not putting as many coats on and it's more durable. It's not going to chip. So if you're in a rental and you're moving stuff around and banging the walls, you can wipe it. So I'm the frugal one. Yeah. In this, in, and I always am the, to look at the bottom line, the dollar. <laughs> But also like I, I also factor in sort of the, the value of your time as well. Yeah. And if you can looking at so like, so, cause some of the paint that the cheaper end paints, how much like is a cheap bucket of paint? I feel like $20 a gallon maybe. Okay. And then maybe how much is like a nice high end? So the paint that I use is kind of like higher end, but not like the highest end. And it's mm -hmm. like f between 15 and $60 a gallon. Okay, so you're so looking it's at pricey. you're looking at double the cost. Yeah, and if you have to get depending on the size of your space, two or three gallons of paint, it's not a small amount of money. It's not, but if you're going to be there for a while and you get the permission mm -hmm. and the paint is going to be worth it, yeah. then it's worth the money. And here's the front. other thing to consider too: is that if you're putting it into a rental property that you may not be in for long term, mm -hmm. you're not seeing any return on your investment. Right. So maybe a cheaper bucket of paint. Would be fine for Would be fine, yeah. yeah. But for, for us, like we've been living in spaces for either a longer period of time or we own the space. Yeah. So not just that, but also the fact that the paint itself, if it covers better. Yes. And it, you can get away with two top coats rather than three. Yeah. You've just saved, you know, 33% of work for you. Yeah, yourself. plus and probably a gallon of paint. Yes. So we're always going to opt for the higher quality paint. It's yeah. kind of law of diminishing returns. We're always going to opt for the paint that's matte. We're going to opt for the paint that's wipeable because right. we're, we, Chris and I are really hard on our house. We bang <laughs> walls. We're, you know, with we're light always stands, light stands, tripods. Yeah. So if I'm going to paint my walls, I want something where I can take a magic eraser to it or a damp cloth or whatever and get rid of the marks. We have used cheaper matte paints in St. John's, our first house. They were not. And they the got same. banged up permanently and you yeah. could not restore it back to like a new looking finish. Yeah. It just always looks scuffed up and, and dirty. Yeah. We, we've been through the rodeo. I mean, when we, when we had our first house mentioned this in a few podcasts before uh, we, we didn't have a lot of money. So we're doing it things cheaper. We're DIYing everything. We we're buying a lot of Ikea furniture. And so we bought the cheaper lines of paint and there were times where we tried big box store paint. And every time I've tried a big box store paint, I've hated it. Mm -hmm. It has not been good. Um, so I've always defaulted back to Benjamin Moore for the last, you know, Hashtag 14 not years, not sponsored because it's tried and true and it's good. Uh, the Ben line is more affordable. It, it is nice, but you can't wipe it. Uh, so we just go Regal Select because that is my favorite. It's tried and true. We've been happy with it. It lasts. And you find it covers good. It covers good. Yeah. Um, so 
We talked about paint. <laughs> okay. This is not a painting podcast. <laughs> no, it's not. Because we're talking about rentals. So you might not be able to paint. Right. So, okay. so, so let's look at the floor. So we're hoping that you're going into a rental. We're really hoping that maybe they have a laminate down or an engineered hardwood, but likely it's an ugly shag carpet, like some of the <laughs> places that we've been in. Uh, something that I there noticed. so much carpet in Buffalo. So that I was just going to say, there, something I noticed from looking at apartments in Canada versus looking at apartments in, in Buffalo or in New York. Carpet is very popular down here. Um, most of the places that we looked at here all had carpet in the bedrooms. We Out of all of the apartments that we looked at when we first came here, there was only one apartment that we found that had like laminate or hardwood floor throughout. And it was like $4,000 a month, <laughs> which is outrageous. Every apartment I looked at in Vancouver- it was in a hotel. Yeah. I mean, it would be kind of sweet to be able to order room service. Because yeah. that we would, not only would we spend- an exorbitant amount on rent, but we would probably spend another that same amount on like room service. And oh, hundred like, percent. Like in, in house massages. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> they had a spa. We the, like the, the sweet life of Zach and Cody. Remember that show? I do not know. Um, uh, no, well, I don't okay. remember. It had, um, what's his face? Zach and Cody. <laughs> Barbara's boyfriend. Oh, one of the Sprouse dudes. Sprouse brothers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cole and, Dylan Sprouse. Yes. They were stars. Okay. So anyway. Barbara Palvin, one of my favorite Victoria's Secret models. <laughs> yeah. You love her. <laughs> um, so yeah, all of the apartments that we, I looked at in Vancouver with your mother, they, I think one of them had carpet and the rest of them all had some mix of hardwood or laminate or tile. Yeah. So um, some people really like carpet. I'm not a fan of carpet, but you know, it, it's up to you. Maybe you are a fan of carpet and so you yeah, do. But the they're, not laying, they're not laying. You're not laying it. They're floor, flooring in this place. So, so what are we working with? Rugs. Rugs. So is this a quiz? Are you quizzing me? Yeah, no, 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 no. Not. <laughs> now, what have you learned over the last learned? three years on YouTube? <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. You're moving into an apartment. You got carpet. You can put a rug on top of carpet. I didn't know that. Yes. You can absolutely do I that. I just assume you wouldn't put something soft on top of soft. No, you can it's... absolutely layer rugs on top of carpet. <laughs> if your carpet is ugly, even better. Because you're working in a rental. Like, and then now you have to look at this ugly ass carpet. That's carpet. Toss, toss a rug over it. You want to get a big rug. Um, I have made a mistake in this house of buying rugs that have been too small. So I, that's something else like I wouldn't know is like what scale of rug do you get? Like that's all stuff that I just really like. This is too much for me. The biggest you can afford is what I've learned. Oh, interesting. The biggest you can afford. Uh, most times if you're doing like a living space, like a nine by 12 is the smallest you're going to want to go. Unless you're in like a teeny tiny apartment. Like our Vancouver apartment was so small that we had five by seven rugs and they were mm -hmm. Like sized appropriately. Sized appropriately for the space. We also had um, apartment sized furniture too. We did. The couch I, I'm sitting on is apartment sized. Which I didn't know was a thing. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. See, this is it. Like there's so much that dudes like me don't know about this. <laughs> like where it's just like daunting. It's like, I got to even worry about this. I'm just going to buy whatever and throw it in. I'm not going to care anymore. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the thing with rugs. Like obviously it depends on the size of the space on what rug. You're not going to get a nine by 12 rug if your your room is too small to hold a nine by 12 rug. So it depends on the size. And I, that's where things get kind of get tricky, but you know, kind of measure. And if you want to cover your space with a rug, like go for it, mm -hmm. get it big. Um, yeah. So, uh, big, bottom. big bottom. You can also, if you have like an open concept um, apartment, kind of like what we had downtown in our last apartment, you have an open concept kind of floor plan. Which you, is a lot of the newer spaces now. A lot of the newer spaces. You can break your room up using rugs. You can kind of designate spaces and, and make zones with rugs. See, I've just taken that for granted because that's what you do. Yeah. But I guess like, I would have a propensity to just, if you weren't 
in this equation and I just had a bunch of furniture, mm-hmm. I probably just like throw it in the room, just like push it up against all the Don't walls. Don't do that. That's, <laughs> that's illegal. That's illegal. It's a legal no, move. No, that is, that's definitely something that, that people do. Like they have a big space and it's confusing. And what do you do with furniture? Push it all against the walls. And then suddenly your couches are all against the walls or far away from each other. Your coffee table's in the center of the room. It's on this little teeny tiny, like four by six rug. It's a flying fucking carpet. Your goddamn coffee <laughs> table is just rug. floating in the middle of the room and all your chairs are pushed against the wall. And you can't even put your drink on the coffee table because yeah. it's too well, far away. In our first house in St. John's, the living room was kind of like that. It was like this awkwardly large room yes. where it was like, just bigger than a traditional sort of family room. Mm-hmm. And it just made for a difficult layout. It was very challenging. And the previous owners, based on the photos in the listing, the previous owners obviously like, didn't they just push everything up? Everything was pushed up against we'll the a, wall. We'll put a, uh, some photos in the show notes, uh, bankingcurse.com slash podcast. Yeah, what the house looks like. Yeah, there's like a floating coffee table. So <laughs> Magic carpet rug, I love that. Yeah, so uh, what I like to think about is like, if you have like a TV room, and depending on what size your TV is, there are like calculations that you can do uh, of where your seat should be based on the like your TV size and, and what the viewing proper viewing distance so should you're be. talking my love language, math and right, science. Right, right. <laughs> so like if you're confused and you have say a 50 inch TV, start with that. Pause for a second. Okay. Because let's do that equation in the opposite direction, which we had a fixed viewing distance. And mm-hmm. then you calculate what size TV is ideal for that viewing distance. Yeah. And we should have got the 90 inch TV. Oh, we're moving on. They haven't seen that yet. <laughs> they haven't seen that yet. Um, so that, that could be a w- one way that you can kind of decide where your couch should go. But yeah, don't be afraid to like float your furniture in the middle of the room, create zones with rugs, use backs, backs of couches as like designated separation between spaces. So uh, again, uh, going back to the downtown apartment that we had um, in Buffalo, not Vancouver, I'll leave a photo of this in the show notes. We had this big open space. And we used an eight by 10 rug on one side of the room to anchor in kind of like a TV area. We had the couch I'm sitting on here, which is an apartment size. This uh, couch was more applicably sized for our Vancouver apartment. Which was like 490 square feet or something. Including patio, very small. Um, A five by seven rug was what fit in that space appropriately. Um, In Buffalo, we could have had a bigger couch, but we didn't. We didn't want to buy new furniture because we knew it was temporary. So we used what we had. So we had an eight by 10 rug that anchored in this TV area. And then the couch kind of floated in the center of the space. It was actually more like two thirds of the space if you you break it up into a square. And the back of the couch kind of created this hallway between uh, the wall and the couch Mm -hmm. uh, going from the kind of kitchen to the bedroom. So we kind of used the back of the couch to separate um, the TV area from like a shelf sitting space on the other side that was against the wall. But it was also house of your coffee station. Yes. Eventually it did house the coffee station. So that section of the room was anchored by a five by seven rug, which is a bit smaller. And we had the coffee station there. We had a little armchair and a little lamp and that just kind of gave us a, a separate area to not really escape to. I mean, it was, a, it was a nice size apartment, but there was nowhere really to go besides the bedrooms. So it gave us just like another option in the main room to sit uh, instead of just having like one big, huge sitting area. I'm kind of like drawing a lot of these parallels with like for the YouTube people out there, like as sets. Yes. It's like having multiple sets. This would be like the equivalent. The analogy would be making multiple sets in a small area. Definitely. It's exactly what it's like. If you looked at that room, we essentially had two sets. One was the couch set and the other one was like the the lone chair set. You could even film 
like literally use them as sets, like film videos. We did do that for sure. If you do have a space that you're also using to film videos, like think about it like that as well. You know, think about like, how can this living space work for me on a day-to-day basis when I'm not filming, but how can we break out a light and have it look awesome on camera? And speaking of lights. Yes. Oh, let's talk about lights. That's my, that's my, uh, the only topic of this discussion that I'm familiar with. Okay. Shall we, shall we riff on it? Do you want to go? Uh, I don't really know. If I'll I, start. I don't know if I know it well enough to be able to like synthesize a thesis date with the, with an introductory body paragraphs. Okay. And conclusion. I, I got you. I got you. Okay. Listen to this. <laughs> Just like lighting is important for your shot on YouTube, your uh-huh. main shot, your talking shot. It is just as important in your room when you're not filming in a different way. So, so you're just going to put a bunch of soft boxes around? No. So, you know, okay. So we're going back to the studio thing. Say if you have your studio type shot and you have your key light, right? It's a nice soft light source on your face and you might have some practicals in the background that are just kind of giving some light. It's not just dark in the background and you're not just, you know, sticking the light wherever you're kind of strategic about where you're, you're placing the light based on how you want it to look on camera. If you want it to be a nice soft light or dramatic light, but you're not just going to use like your ceiling lights to light yourself because then you're going to get all these bad shadows and it's just going to not look nice. That's why a lot of times that we like to say, if you don't have lights, shoot near a window because it gives you a nice soft light source, right? Mm -hmm. So similar concepts kind of apply to your house as well. You don't want to just rely on ceiling lights. Those are really great if you're working in your living room and you need as much light as possible. But what happens when you're relaxing? Having all those lights on bust at night is not the most relaxing thing. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking, you know, in the daytime, you have your window light, same as when you're shooting yourself near the window light. At night, we have artificial light. So kind of like using studio lights in your set. Um, but they're a bit different because you're not lighting your face, you're lighting the room. So lamps, um, spotlights, task lights, accent lighting, like LED lights behind your TV or in an alcove or behind something. Accent lighting? Mood accent lighting, lighting. yeah. So set the mood. Let's get it all. <laughs> That's a song. It's tasty. Yeah. So when you're thinking about your space, you kind of got to think about how you're using it as well, right? So you're relaxing at night. You kind of want to have a couple of maybe end table lamps or a floor lamp. Do you want them to have a dark shade so they're just spilling light downwards? Or do you want it to have a white or paper shade so it's giving a diffuse soft light in the room? Do you need to add, do you not have ceiling lights? Do you need to add extra lighting so at night you can turn on all the lights and have this bright light? Oh yeah, a lot of places don't have ceiling lights. Right. They're just like have switched plugs. Right. So a variety of lamps in that situation would help. So Mm -hmm. yeah, so this lamp here behind me, it's got a black shade, so some light comes through it, but it's more so down and up. That's not going to give you a task, like a big task lighting. Or When you say task lighting, you mean like lighting used for tasks, like lighting... um, over the edge of a counter, say. Yeah, so or like see. a desk lamp that's like shooting on your desk and you're writing and you can yeah. see your paper because it's shooting it. So if you need to light a room, a lamp like this isn't going to do it. This is going to give you a nice accent, mm-hmm. but it's not going to like give you a nice soft light in the room. Yeah. Yeah, you can flip that on if you want. Is this an accent light? No, the, there's no light in it. Just turn, twist the knob. So that, that gives you kind of like a... Why don't we ever use this one? Because it's LED and it flickers and oh, it's a bit bright. Right. So I put the, oh, you put the light. extra M9 in that. Yeah, yeah. But it's not charged. <laughs> you have your lamps, you have your ceiling lights. You can put some LEDs behind your TV. Um, sometimes what I like to do is just get those cheap clamp spotlights that are like just flick on lamps and you can put them behind your monitor, behind your TV and just kind of 
splash like shoot them up at the wall or in the corner of a wall just to kind of give this like up light in the in the I corner. I find that that actually like is a bit easier on your eyes as well. It is, yeah. Like and you're in the dark staring at a bright monitor, mm -hmm. having like a little bit of light behind it to like kind of even things out a bit is less, I find it's less straining. Definitely. And you can do the same thing with your TV or if you have like a shelf, maybe some plants, you can kind of like clamp a light down low and shoot a, le a, a light up in the corner of your room that kind of gives a nice accent without spending like a lot of money on it. Yeah. And with a lot of like the smart bulbs out there these days, you have the option of customizing a lot of your lighting. I mean, not just brightness, but like with colors and things like that. Okay, so, so let, let's talk about color temperature then. Okay. Um, because the color of your lights, I got water all over my face. <laughs> the color temperature of your lights are really going to dictate the mood in the room. Yes, and color temperature is a concept that people who are familiar with video, is they probably understand it a lot better than, say, like the general public. Right. But yeah, color temperature is where a light falls on the blue-amber scale. Right. So... Just because the light is white, that I mean, some, something being white is such like a, a loaded concept. Oh God! When, and when you go to the store to like buy light bulbs, you're like, wait, cool light, day white, soft white. Like, what are all these mean? And yeah. then they have the Kelvin count on it. But if you don't know the Kelvin scale off by heart, it's like where where do these fall? I just want a nice warm light. Yeah. So Ke Kelvin's is basically. Um, it's a temperature, actually it's a temperature. So if you take a perfect black body radiator and you heat it up to emit light at that color temperature, that's where the Kelvin scale comes from. Mm -hmm. um, it actually comes from astrophysics or cool. it has a big foundation in that, or use in astrophysics. But the, um, the 2,800 Kelvins is basically what a tungsten light bulb looks like. Right. And that's like the one that we associate with like a nice, cozy, warm. Right. Yeah. Light. It's like, that's kind of like your warm, amber, traditional light, incandescent light bulb. Mm -hmm. Whereas something like, uh, it's 5,600 Kelvins is more of a blue white. That's sort of like a standard outdoor, bright, sunny day te color temperature. Right. And people don't realize that white light is not all white light is created equally. Not, not all white light is created in the same color, but also not all white light is created equally as far as quality is concerned too. Right. So that's where CRI comes, comes right. into play, which is color rendition index. Correct. So that refers to the quality of the light. Yeah. So when you look at these perfect uh, emission spectra from like the sun, it looks like a nice smooth bell curve of different frequencies or colors of light mm -hmm. centered on a color temperature of say 5,600 Kelvins. If you look at uh, an incandescent tungsten light bulb, that also is glowing this amber color, which has a nice smooth spectrum of colors centered on say 2,800 Kelvins. Mm -hmm. But when you look at these really artificial lights, you could technically make uh, a white light out of two spikes on a frequency graph, which is like red, green, blue. You could theoretically make white light out of the three pure, pure red, pure green, pure blue. Mm -hmm. It's technically white. It's technically the same color temperature, but it, the quality of it would just look off right. and it wouldn't be very pleasing and it wouldn't render colors as nice as a full spectrum of, of uh, a full spectrum light source. Right. So when you look at fluorescent bulbs, they emit certain characteristic spectra and there's all sorts of different ways that they can uh, try to fudge that and improve the quality and even that spectrum out. But the CRI is something that a lot of people don't look at when they're buying light bulbs that are newer technology, i.e. LED or fluorescent lights. Right. And so looking at the CRI is, is, um, is something that I would recommend doing 
because getting something that's, you know, at least like 85 to 90 if possible, mm-hmm. um, it's going to give you that nice light that you're used to looking at. Definitely. And going back to the video thing, if you are a video person and, and you're kind of used to, to lights, a lot of the fluorescent lights that you buy for video are really high CRI and they're more expensive because they're better quality and they're not going to flicker on camera. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a lower CRI light, that's where you kind of get that flicker. It's cycling at a slightly different phase mm-hmm. to what your camera's cycling at. Right. And it can translate into like rolling lines. Right. So it just looks bad. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to color temperature and picking lights for your house, um, I think that, you know, a comfortable color temperature for a living space is like a tungsten light. So warm, um, for your kitchen, uh, something cooler is going to be a little bit better because it seems brighter. It's more, it feels more white, almost like you can see better. Um, (laughs) so when you're cooking and stuff, you want to see as much as possible, right? I, w- I would say when in doubt, just get all tungsten balanced, like traditional, like 2,800 Kelvins. Uh, I would just go with that mm-hmm. just because that's what you're used to. Yeah. Um, it's only be- now where like daylight balance bulbs are really a thing that's only been mainstream since like maybe the early 2000s. Yeah. We went through this weird era with light bulbs where um, tungsten, like normal regular light bulbs became kind of like, oh, these aren't very good for the environment. So we're going to come back out with these compact fluorescent bulbs, which had like a terrible CRI. They were ugly. The color was bad. They looked shitty. They felt shitty in your eyes. And there was no real in between. They were kind of starting to phase out those old light bulbs. Yeah. But LED hadn't reached a price point where it was accessible to most people. Correct. Now we're reaching this point where LED is really good and that the warm tungsten balanced LED bulbs actually do look pretty close to what those older bulbs look like. Yep. So that's really great. And now we're kind of into this other thing where um, we're getting the color changing LED light bulbs, which are so expensive, but if you can afford them, they're really worth it because you had the option of right. changing them. Yeah. So, but I think that the, the, the preference on CRI and color temperature as well, mm-hmm. I think that that's largely based on preference, which is founded in familiarity. Yeah. Um, just like 24 P looks expensive. There's no reason why that makes 24 P or 24 frames per second on for, for people don't shoot video any more cinematic mm-hmm. than say 60 frames per second, only because of what's been done traditionally right. and what people have associated it with it's, it's culture. Yeah. So just like that, if, if we grew up with, uh, I mean, maybe there's arguments to be said that like, you know, closer to we're used to, we're, we're hardwired to like think of campfire as something kind of like like home homey and like cozy mm-hmm. and in the evening right because of like you know that's people started fires in caves i guess that's where we came from as from an evolutionary standpoint yeah and then during the day bright white light is supposed to wake us up we're used to the sun it's energizing yeah so yeah. so theoretically having like daylight balanced lights in your bedroom might make you stay awake i don't know if there's any truth to that but people will will hypothesize that that's the case right so what i always will kind of just say is you know whatever you're used to just Go with probably if you're unsure, just go with with uh, standard sort of more amber tungsten balanced lights mm-hmm. um, for your home. Yeah, and then at least at the night, it's not going to feel like sterile and bright. Yeah, and when like you're trying ooh, to go to sleep. Right, changing your light bulbs in yeah. your space will make a huge difference. And adding light sources. And adding light sources, lamps, like I said, LEDs, things like that. Yeah, um, I, always, I always think of like the down lights in a space, like the like the the recessed lights. Yep. They're sort of evenly placed, spaced in a grid from the ceiling. Uh, that's good at illuminating the whole place. Right. But it's going to fill everything with light 
and it's going to be a bunch of small little harsh light sources. So it's not very flattering Mm -hmm. and its only job is to kind of illuminate a space. Right. So if you can add, you can add a more dynamic feel by adding in other light sources, lamps, use the lamps to create these big diffuse light sources. Yes. We just added in a, what's that? Thing called over the Nelson bubble light, the bubble light mm-hmm. over the kitchen table. It's basically like a giant soft box. It's like a, it's like a, uh, like a China lantern. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like when you, for people who are familiar with light modifiers, China lanterns are like just basically light diffuse light globes or domes. Yeah. And that, uh, that creates a nice, very nice flattering, soft, even light source over the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that way we can kind of dim down the overhead lights, not totally turn them off, but we can dim them down. Those are sort of acting like fill, right. if you will. It kind of fills like global illumination in a scene. Whereas the, the, the key light would be like the kitchen table light. Right. And then you've got practical lights still around, you know, like the lamps and things like that to add yeah, just sort of like splashes of light and kind of make more dynamic looking scenes. Yeah. And the table lamps are all kind of offering different types of light. So stuff like with a shade like this or a down light that might be highlighting a plant mm-hmm. or, or a paper shade that is giving that diffuse light. So you can mix it up. If you understand lighting for video, you can light a room um, in a slightly different way. Just think of like diffuse light, down lights, and then think about where you want to place them and where you're going to be using, how you're going to be using the space. So if you're going to be reading, drawing, whatever, and you need task light, just make sure that you're picking lights or lamps that are going to give you enough light in your spot. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of people will, for task lighting, they'll just choose like big, bright lights that are oftentimes point light sources. Right that create harsh shadows, but I actually prefer like a really diffuse light source. So like in the drone factory, we'll link to that video in the show notes. We made a workbench for me for building drone, 3d printing, whatever tasks I had at hand. Mm -hmm. And we use giant workshop led style fluorescent, fluorescent style led lights. Yeah. And those create a lot of light and it's very soft light. So it's shadowless. So I don't, I'm not casting a shadow on the small instruments that I'm working on. I find that that's very helpful for task lighting. Definitely. So again, like depends on how you're using the space. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about furniture for a little bit. So if you're moving into a rental apartment and you have to buy new furniture, but you are thinking maybe in a couple of years, you might want to buy a house and you're not really sure if you want this furniture and how do you justify spending money on furniture that you might not want in a couple of years? Well, I mean, that's the age old dilemma that we live in with like fast fashion, fast furniture. Yes. Like things are so cheap nowadays because of that reason. Right. People change their mind every few years. Exactly. I have kind of changed my mindset on furniture over the last couple of years. I used to be very much fast fashion furniture and now I prefer investing in higher quality pieces that are a little bit more neutral that I know are going to last style wise that I could add a, a different throw pillow or a throw blanket to, or, you know, paint the walls a little bit differently and it's still going to look kind of nice. We have a couple of pieces that are from Gus Modern that have come with us from Vancouver and they're four or five years old now. And I still love them. Uh, this couch is one of them, this table actually. And they're, they've been through three moves and they're still perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to invest as but compared to the two Ikea side tables that have also been through three moves that are f- literally falling over. <laughs> like, ring, 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 ring. They're really, yeah, they were like that before we moved from Vancouver, I feel yeah. like. So it's, it's kind of of a balance. Like I think you can still get, if you're going to buy something that's temporary, I think you can still get nice looking stuff that fits a certain vibe or style that you're looking for without just having to go to the normal store and just buy whatever. Like if you do a little bit of hunting, there's definitely places to go. Ikea is a good one because their stuff is relatively inexpensive and you could get a pretty neutral couch that you can make look nice with nicer pillows and blankets, like I said, or, uh, interesting lamps, stuff like that. Um, 
I found, I found personally, Ikea's couches have been a decent quality. Yes, we've had a couple in, in the, the past. The things that I find Ikea lacks as far as quality is concerned are any of their like... Their, their, their hard ca- goods. Their, their like, cabinet stuff yeah. that you're like putting together yeah. that have like the, you know, made of particle board. It's it's all very rickety and not very sturdy. Right. And it's like if one part breaks on it, I find the whole thing just comes tumbling down. Whereas if you're dealing with like a solid handmade piece of furniture, which is obviously is going to be astronomically expensive compared to Ikea. Yeah. You, you know, like even if like one part fails on it, it's either you can fix it with some wood glue and a bit of know-how mm-hmm. or it's still a rock solid. Right. You know? Yeah. But that's, I just feel like, yeah, with, with the fast furniture fashion stuff it's all made of particle board it's just it falls apart i mean we just installed a new uh built-in in one of the guest room closets in the basement here so we wanted to be affordable we got ikea and i mean it <laughs> it literally fell apart within we, an hour we like we're building it and we were trying to move something and i mean <laughs> let alone the fact that it was held together by stickers like they literally said put the stickers on the on the rail to keep it from moving and it's like and then of the course sticker popped off as we were screwing in the clothing rod yeah and then the thing moved and then the, the, the leg, leg, cra- cracked. leg cracked off so it's like <laughs> and now all of the drawers are out of square yeah because the whole thing went yeah, yeah that, that one pin like it, it <laughs> moved once and it went, <laughs> yeah so not the highest quality no. but there are some things to be found i've been impressed with ikea couches yes they definitely have a, a look too right like not what you're gonna find at like a normal furniture store like something like ashley furniture no shade or like a lazy boy place like it's definitely got cleaner lines it's more modern and right definitely with modern, unfortunately, sometimes comes a large price tag, and IKEA definitely keeps the cost down in terms of that. Um, so yeah, like I mean, that's a good spot. CB two has some really nice stuff. The price point's a little bit higher, but not too bad. And then getting up to EQ three, their stuff is a bit more expensive. You're getting into more like custom upholstery because all their stuff is made, but they're it's like pr- made to measure kind of thing. It is, but their prices are really affordable. Like in the grand scheme yeah, of things, and affordable is a relative term here. Yeah, like a lot. Of, I mean, it's more expensive than IKEA, but it's not as expensive as like Gus. Right. Like we were when we were furnishing our first house in St. John's. I remember, like, based on the money we were taking, we were bringing in. I thought like IKEA was expensive. Yes. Because me it's too. Just, from our budget, it's like oh my $1, god, thousand dollars for a gigantic sectional seemed like an insane amount of money to spend on a couch. Like knowing what the going rate for giant sectionals are it's an affordable sectional, yes. but a thousand dollars is still a thousand dollars when you're still strapped for cash. Yeah. And that was the, that's what I was finding then. So Definitely. Like we, not only was it all we could afford, we got lucky because it also kind of matched our style. Yeah. We did a lot of hunting as well for that house because we had such a specific look. Yeah. We did a lot of hunting at places like home goods or, or winners, wherever you are in the world, um, where they bring in like, extra stuff from other stores and their markdown prices. Right. Um, it's like name brand markdown, name brand stuff yeah. for, for home goods. Right. So I like managed to score a massive rug for like $300. I think it was, which is cheap for a massive rug. For, yeah, yeah. Rugs are expensive, especially if you're getting, especially if you're getting, especially, especially. you have some espresso that. with that, especially oh, <laughs> rugs are expensive, especially if you're getting wool rugs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and really rugs are probably one of the most important parts of the room because you're walking on it all the time and it's basically anchoring your space. So you want to have a good quality rug. So but how would you c- counsel somebody? And again, not that we're, we're just talking about how like you're not an interior designer. You shouldn't be giving no, advice. I know. I know. So based but, off of our experiences over yeah, the last based on our experience, years. Cause like scale is one of the things that we've kind of not really thought about till re- more recently. Yeah. That's something that I'm still learning about is scale. Like, like if you, I if can tell leaving, when it's off, but I'm not 
sure what it's supposed to be. Right. But if you're living in a small apartment thinking you're going to get a bigger place later, like a, like a house that might be bigger than the apartment. Yeah. You know, it's like, do you buy this, the, the apartment size furniture? Right. And then do you buy the apartments, this, the five by seven rug for scale for that 400 square foot apartment? Yeah. Only to be like going into a house later in your life and thinking, well, now this is all too, this is all like clown car furniture. Right. Yeah. Like, what do I mean, you, you can always sell it. You could. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But it, if you're going to sell it, what's the point in investing a lot of money in it? Yeah. So maybe that's a case in those situations and just get the fast fashion stuff. You yeah. Know? I think like, again, I think that there are always options for picking stuff that is still your style that fits. It mm -hmm. just takes a little bit more effort than just saying, oh, well this fits and it's ugly and I hate it, but it fits. So we'll get it. It just takes a little bit of extra time. Right. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, Structube is another good one. They're really affordable and they mm -hmm. have pretty like modern clean line stuff. Um, so article was another one that, Oh yeah. Article is really good. Yeah. I was, I was impressed with their case goods with their price points. Oh, yeah. I always just thought that they were expensive. I just assume everything that you like is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I look, listen, I look for deals because I know you're going to be like $1,500 for a chair. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great impression. Yeah. So why do I sound, why, why does your impression of me sound like your impression of your mother? Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> you are my mother. Oh my God. Oh God. Um, yeah. Mama's milk. <laughs> so we talked about wall color. Uh -huh. We talked about rugs. You can cover your ugly ass carpet with big rugs. You can layer rugs. Um, we're talking about had fast fashion couches versus investing. Um, we talked about lighting. Um, what else? I know you have a favorite one. Your, your little green friends. Yes. Plants. Plants are the fucking best. <laughs> the love, best. They best. love plants. They, yeah. They distract from ugly. You can put a big Jesus ass plant that you love in front of something. And it's like, wow, look at the plant. Don't look at the ugly shit behind it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I love, I love plants. I, I was afraid of plants for many, many years until I, my really close friends opened a plant store and now I'm obsessed with plants. Check out daddy's plants linked in the show notes. Yes. Um, plants can really make your space feel really good. Like really happy. Um, they're I feel like it's a secret trick. Yes. It's like you throw a plant, like a, a, a very generous sized plant in an area. It's like, oh, you look, you're so refined. Look at you. Yeah, look at you over in the corner looking delicious. No, I mean like look at you as in like the person creating the space. Oh, not the plant? No, well, that maybe Because that I'm too. always like, wow, look at your new growths, you delicious peach. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to work. I definitely talk to my plants. But yeah, no, it definitely makes big, your- Big plant energy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> BPE? Yeah. They, they look fantastic in a space yeah you know. but i mean i think like if say like i know it's hard because like we've been together for like decades literally yeah but like if you were single yeah and you went to some suitor's house oh yeah and dude had like a fucking plant in the corner you'd be like oh shit you are so refined <laughs> like damn girl where'd you get that plant <laughs> is that as easy <laughs> yeah no for sure i'm the bigger plants are definitely more expensive but Big, real plants look- Let me see your African milk plant. <laughs> you have an African milk do, plant it's poisonous. <laughs> Be careful with it. Um, <clears throat> real plants look better than fake plants. Uh, I but, think that, if but, you can't, if you can't, but if you don't have light and, you, <laughs> and there's no such thing as plants that survive with no light. That was a, who said that? Oh my God. So I follow uh, my friend Mandy. 
she has a an account called Happy Happy Houseplant. A plant Instagram. It's plant Instagram. It's okay. phenomenal. Linked in the, Link show in the show notes. She said that there's no such thing as plants that are good in no light. There are just such thing as plants that die slow. <laughs> my heart. Oh, your heart. My sank. heart. So it, and you look. It, then you looked right over in the corner and saw your little plants that allegedly no. love the dark. Yeah. yeah. No. Exactly. So that kind of changed stuff for me. So. Say in the studio, there mm-hmm. is no natural light. Fake plants are the only option. Yes. I mean, you've got fake plants behind you right here in this studio. Yeah, because that's the space- fake. That's fake. That's fake. That's fake. You're fake. Your face is fake. <laughs> but the space needs plants. Mm-hmm. Like it needs some like life, you know? Yeah. Can't do real plants, you go fake plants. If you have the windows and the light to do plants, but you have no knowledge of plants. What's your opinion on putting a plant straight out of the box? Don't do that. From the store. Don't do that fluff your faux plant leaves because there's nothing worse than when you take a, a plant home or you buy it on the internet and it comes in a box and you just stick it in your set or like we're in your house it's like this and it's just straight up and it just looks like it just came out of a box like there's it did. no it, bi- just, it, did. it just came out of a box there's no bigger tell than hey that's a fake ass plant than that's it looking like it came out of a box so what i like to what i like to do is when i buy a fake plant I like to look up a photo of the real plant in the wild and try to oh, and see what it looks and like. See what it looks like and try to like fluff it accordingly. Fluff the leaves so it looks passable. <laughs> fluff it accordingly, exactly. <laughs> Fluffer of leaves. Fluffer. <laughs> you're really good at fluffing plants. Thanks. What if you have light and you're interested in real plants, but you don't really know how to care for real plants? Here's a couple of plants that you should look at that mm-hmm. are relatively easy and hard to kill. Ooh, that's a good list. People are going to want to know these. Yeah. This is valuable intel. Valuable intel. So linked in the show notes. Linked in the show notes. I'm going to do a full blog post on my like five favorite, like easy care mm-hmm. plants at some point. So the snake plant. I know what that one looks like. Very resilient. Yeah. Doesn't like. I'm going to do impressions of all these plants. Okay that, okay. that was a good impression. Doesn't. Perfect. Okay. Doesn't need. It needs to be watered mm-hmm. and it needs light, but it doesn't need a lot of light and it doesn't need a lot of water. Mm-hmm. So I have neglected them for far too long. You put those in the darkest depths of your room. Yes. And they've been fine. So, um, they, I put them in like the shadowed areas of the living room. There's still natural light bouncing around, but they're fine over there. Mm -hmm. They obviously will do better in a little bit of light, but fine. Uh, ZZ plant. What? In my mind, it looks the same. The snake plants are the ones that stick up. The ZZs are kind of like, with like leaves. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Perfect impression. Um, the ZZ plant is great. It's, uh, yeah, I've neglected one. I left one in a room for a year and came back and it was long. Really? Like, yeah, it was fine. Like I, I wa- maybe <laughs> you didn't watered water it for a year. No, I maybe watered it like four or five times. Okay. A little bit of water. Uh, but there was, there was light in there. They're beautiful plants. You can get black ones as well. They have these like deep purpley black leaves and they're mm-hmm. gorgeous. Oh, I know what the ZZ is. It's like this. Yeah. It's the one in a front porch, the big, huge one. And the one oh, that's okay. underneath the lilac. Oh, wait, maybe the one I'm thinking you're the one. The one I'm thinking of is the one you said today that wasn't looking so hot. I don't. On the couch, next to the couch. Anyway. Oh, the rubber, the rubber tree. Yes. Yeah. So the ZZ is good. The snake plant is good. Pothos or pothos are really good as <laughs> what well. Fuck is that? It's the one that we have in the bathroom that is like the green spotted spotted leaves that are just kind of like. They're just resilient motherfuckers. They're just <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Those are really great too. So between snake plants, ZZ plants, pothos, pothos, however you want to say it, great. 
People say succulents are easy to care for. They're not. Don't get them. They're challenging. I've killed every single succulent I've ever owned. Interesting. I feel like succulents were like a hot thing or still are a hot thing. They are, but it's it's kind of like, oh, they don't need a lot of water, but then you don't water them and then they look like they're dying and you're like, oh my God, I got to water them. And then they die of root rot after you've, so <laughs> you I'm just like, them? yeah, just shag the fucking, shag them. Just yeah, stick with a uh, snake plant, ZZ plant, um, pothos, pothos, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. There are three good ones. Okay. Um, I'll leave the other two to my blog post, which you can find on our blog. I'll link it in the show notes if it's if it's up. If not, just keep an eye. You'll see it on our Instagram when it goes up. Uh, so plants, really great to add some delicious jazz mm-hmm. to your what about What about like artwork? Yeah, so artwork can make a massive difference, especially if your wall color isn't the best, but you can put big art on your walls. There's inexpensive ways. It's like the equivalent of putting a rug on shitty flooring. Yes. Cover it up. <laughs> cover it up. When in doubt, cover it up. Yeah. So art can be extremely expensive, but there are ways to do art more affordable. Is that what you want to hear about? Or do you want to hear I about I always it? want to hear what's more affordable. Affordable. Yeah. I've been on a journey to find, to like curate art for this house, which is the first time I've kind of really done that. But if you're a photographer and you have some prints that you want to do, here's a, a wicked way to do big prints like this mm-hmm. for hella cheap. So find a print shop yep. to do your wide format printing. That's going to be the most expensive part of this hack that I'm about to tell you. When you find a print shop, that's going to do a good job with your, with your pictures that you've taken because you don't have to pay a photographer. Then you don't have to pay for the print. You, you have to pay for the physical print, but you don't have to pay for the photograph because mm-hmm. you've taken it. Go to Ikea and buy their biggest Reba frame, which is what this frame is here. I think that's the biggest one. They're like $14. <laughs> like they're so cheap. I have the so many of them. The print was probably like 30 bucks. The print it? was more expensive. I think the print was like 40. The Reba frame is like 15. Get your print either fitted to the mat that it comes with or fitted to the frame without the mat and you have a big piece of art. If you want to get fancy or you already have like a poster or a piece of art that's a certain size, get the biggest Reba frame that it will fit in and then there's a website I can't remember the name of. I'll leave it in the show notes where you can get custom mats made for super cheap for the size of your Reba frame mm. and your print. And you just swap out the mat, put it in, and you have basically a custom piece of looking art for like gotcha. really cheap. You've been doing that for years now. Been doing it for years. I have a hard time committing to a custom frame because when you get a piece of art or a photograph custom framed, you're, you can't just swap it out, open the back and swap it out yourself. It's like concealed in the back like everything is glued up and taped up right. so if you want to switch out that print you had to bring it back to the framer to get it fixed now there is something to, to be said about a custom the, the craftsmanship that comes along with a custom printed or custom framed piece of art definitely i definitely prefer the custom framed piece of art because you're getting real glass you're getting beautiful frame the, y- the ikea rubber frame like that's not glass that's a piece of plastic right yeah so it's th- cheap there is law of diminishing returns here yeah um now you've popped that out and just gone bare print, yes. bare mat, knowing that you are the artist. You can cre- recreate this photo anytime you want exactly. through a printer. The mat you can replace. So why have any glass at all when you can just sort of bare? And then for a set, it's probably better not to have any glare anyway. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, if you're And if no you're one's going to know if there's glass in it or not on a set. Exactly. So if, if it's in the background of your video and you're shooting, you're using big lights, get your, your print done on a mat stock. Right. And then take the take the plexiglass out of it or you could get your print mounted on a board thin board and then Mm -hmm. put the frame on it and don't put the glass on it and then it won't reflect the light is bad Mm -hmm. so that that works 
Um, the other thing is that if you're getting custom framing done, they're a lot heavier than the Ikea stuff. So if you're renting and you want a temporary thing and you're hanging uh, art on your walls using like 3M hooks, then the Ikea frames are probably going to be a little bit easier to, uh, a bit safer to hang on the wall with the 3M hooks. Um, but I will say that we've always hung art prints with just those like little picture frame hangers which just require like a little tiny nail and a hook. Those little gold ones with the, when the nail goes in on an angle. Yeah. And for the larger ones, you can get ones that have three holes. And if you're either painting your apartment or you're not, um, you can, when you remove that, you can easily spackle that, fill the hole and they can touch it up with paint when you move out. At least you're not leaving holes in your walls. It's a small pinhole really. It's a small pinhole. It's not like a big thing. And the thing about the 3M hooks that I don't love is that sometimes if they rip off the wall, they take the paper off the drywall with it. Right. And then you have a bigger repair job to do. Yeah. So I would actually recommend using those little tiny picture hooks. Those and gold, leave the pin classic picture hanging gold hooks. Classic picture hanging gold yeah. hooks. I'll leave a link to them in the show notes. I would prefer using those over using 3M hooks. Yeah. Or even using multiple, like you could use two of those to share the load. Yes. Yeah. You could. Or the bigger ones or the bigger the three ones. holes. Yes. I, I hung a huge mirror with one with the three holes and it's been up for two years. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you have concrete walls, then maybe you have to use 3M hooks. There's no other choice. Maybe unless you're going to drill into the concrete, put an anchor. And then if you're renting, you're probably not going to do that. Yeah. So um, that's kind of a way you can kind of get art for pretty uh, affordable prices. Um, I've also hung like pennants and stuff with safety, uh, not safety pins, push pins mm -hmm. in the wall. Again, just leaves like a little pinhole. Uh, not a big deal. That's kind of art for rental spaces. Okay, something I've been doing this year, my, my dad said something that kind of changed my mindset about the home uh, at the beginning of the pandemic because Chris and I, we were like wanting to buy some land for a cabin project. And my dad said like, why don't you focus on making your house your vacation destination this year? And then when you're done your house renovation, then think about the land. That's such and good advice for such good advice. the pandemic. Such good advice. So um, obviously if you're renting, you can't, you know, you might not be able to do what you're, what we're doing to the house, new tiling and new bat. You're not going to be doing that in a rental, but how can you make your rental space a vacation destination for yourself um, during the pandemic to kind of make being at home a little bit more comfortable? So assuming that you're, you've got your pillows and your throws and your furniture and your rugs and your art and your wall color and your lamps all dialed in, what are some extra things that Maybe you don't have that dialed in or you don't have an interest in it or maybe you don't have the budget to do it right now. What are some little things that you can do? Plants, obviously. Are you quizzing me? Are you asking No, me? I'm just like proposing the question <laughs> that I'm going to answer. I was do, like, I don't know. You, you, know you named them all. You talked about the lighting. You no. talked about the plants. You talked about the throw pillows and the, the fucking blankets. Okay, so so beyond adding- I don't know, Becky, tell me. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Um, there are little things that you can do that just make things nice in your house. Um, a signature scent. <laughs> Okay, I've been big into finding the sign my signature scent, the house's signature scent, but just like a beautifully scented candle that makes you feel relaxed or that you enjoy the smell of can really up the experience of just staying at home. You love the scents. I love it. Nothing makes me more happy than just like cleaning the living room and like just putting the blankets back on the couch and fluffing the pillows and then just lighting my favorite candle, which is the Ember and Leathers candle from Target. <laughs> it's affordable because some candles are expensive. Mm -hmm. I have some expensive ones and the, these ones are still my favorite. They're, I think it's like $16 for a big candle. And just like lighting it and just sitting down and putting on some nice music and just like, 
appreciating the smell and relaxing in your home. So adding scents to your house, even like a linen spray. Uh, I got this one from PF Candle Company. It's like a teakwood and tobacco scent. So after I clean the house, I fluff, my, fluff the pillows and I spray the living room with this smell. This is like an ASMR moment for me here. And you talk about this stuff. Really? It's like just picture. Are you relaxed? I'm just picturing like you in this, you relaxing. It's making me relax. Good. I'm glad. But then you're like fluffing the pillow, you know, like yeah. the sound of the. Like putting a, chopping a little chop in the pillow. Just like rubbing your fingers over the over the fabric. Yeah. I, I What I've <laughs> actually been doing too, like when I do it is like I'm mindful of the moment. This sounds so fucking stupid, but like the other day I sprayed my room spray into the sunlight that was pouring in through the living room mm -hmm. and I saw like all of the mist like falling. And oh, it was just like so good. Some mind brain massage. Yeah, it was. So um, a signature scent, a scented candle and just making it smell nice in your place can be, you know, relaxing. Um, buying beautiful, beautifully packaged hand soap that smells nice. So whenever you go to the bathroom and you wash your hands, you can take a moment to like appreciate the smell and, and relax just for like the 30 seconds, the two happy birthday songs that you're washing your hands. <laughs> Because we're washing our hands a lot now, right? Mm -hmm. So why not, you know, get a nice quality soap? You can kind of be mindful of the smell and just take it 30 seconds to relax while you sanitize your hands. Um, that's a nice thing. But then I also like to create these like little moments in ugly spaces. So we've done this in our last house in rooms that we hadn't renovated yet that we were waiting to renovate or um, in our apartment in Buffalo, um, in the ugly ass bathroom there. <laughs> and even in this house, in some of the bathrooms that we haven't renovated, but there are these like little corners, little moments for your eyes to just be like, Oh, that's nice. Even if the rest of the room looks like shit and there's nothing you can do about it in our primary bathroom off of our bedroom upstairs, it's a dated bathroom. It's not the prettiest. But some things I did to that space to make it look a little bit nicer is I put a nice shower curtain in. I picked up soap in nice bottles. That smells really good. Um, and then we have these like two shelves in this really old kind of cabinet, but I've just kind of picked up a couple of things from Target, like a wood tray, some beautiful, you know, hand cream, um, some soap, um, some body spray or whatever and just kind of like arranged it nicely a candle on top of the wood bathroom edc bathroom edc <laughs> uh getting nice high quality towels so when you get out of the shower it feels like a hotel like a high quality hotel and then when you wash those towels like folding them and stacking them nicely in your bathroom so it feels like yeah like focus on the little things if you can't control the big things yes that 100 100 <laughs> sometimes just arranging those things can just feel really good you know appreciating yeah. the finer subtle qualities of life yeah it's like edc <laughs> for the house right mm -hmm. and it doesn't have you don't have to get floral towels you don't have to get floral hand cream this can all be whatever you want you know i like a white crisp towel so i think the overall theme of this discussion is a whatever you like lean into it yes which is kind of a recurring theme on our podcast Definitely. in our lives yeah if as long as you like it doesn't matter yeah whether it be girly or not. Exactly. Floral or masculine, whatever. Colorful or monochrome. Yeah. Whatever um, you like. Yeah. And if you like it, then, then great. If not, yeah, we'll fix it. And if you don't give a shit about your couch, but you do care about, like, if your hand soap sparks joy, but the throw pillows don't, then spend more, like, spend more time and effort dialing in your soap game than your throw pillow game. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's a lot of things that spark joy for me. Uh, most everything 
that has to do with furniture and accessories and house, but maybe not necessarily for Chris. So I probably wouldn't think twice about a lot of these things. Yeah. But they spark joy in you. Yeah. But also treating your, your home living space like sets, like you do for a YouTube set. Yeah. And that's kind of a bit of a game changer. And then being able to not just appreciate, but enjoy what you've created. Yes, definitely. Surrounding yourself with nice things. They don't have to be expensive things, just nice things that you like that bring you joy, that relax you. I think it's good advice for just this day and age we live in. Yeah. With COVID mm-hmm. running rampant. Yeah. It's just, you know, just pay attention to the little things that. Be mindful. Yeah. Mindful. <laughs> Mindfulness. That's a hundred percent it. Mindfulness. <laughs> Take the time to smell the soap. <laughs> smell the soap. Yeah. Scan yeah. the body. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, paper backdrops and changing the colors of your wall if you can't paint, but you know, we're at an hour and 15 minutes now. So maybe we'll just save that for a separate podcast. Maybe okay. we'll talk about a bit more about creating studio spaces or, or I don't know, like let us know in the comments if there's something there with, with uh, creating studio spaces that you guys might want to hear us talk about or there you go. So with that said, let us know in the comments below. If you like this podcast, give us a rating and a review on Apple podcast five stars only, but don't base your rating on my swearing, but don't base your rating on Becky swearing because this is an explicitly rated podcast. Thank you. And also if you're watching us on uh, YouTube, subscribe, consider subscribing for next time. Is that how you do it? I'm doing peace sign. Bye. Thanks, guys.